So are you guys on fire up there or are you under assault or what's, what's going on this week? <laughs> what's the flavor of the week? Um, yeah. I feel so, like I live vicariously through whatever Kate is posting about what's happening in the region. <laughs> She's very good at um, communicating what is happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're not on fire. We're not under okay. assault. Uh, the smoke started to roll in this week um, from yeah. fires nearby. Um, so we've had some really bad fires in Southern Oregon that for the most part stayed out of the Willamette Valley where Portland is. Uh, and then a couple days ago, the smoke started to come in. So, um, but right now it's raining. Uh, so like I That's woke up nice. this morning and I was like, oh, wow, nice, some <laughs> rain. We need it so badly. Yeah, this is England. So we're pretty, we're pretty used to that. <laughs> the rain, like, yeah. That's the standard, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had our summer two weeks ago and it's over, so. You had yeah. quite the summer, didn't you? Actually, wait. So, is my sound okay? I'm using this headset for the first time. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you had like a hell of a summer, though. You had like 80 degrees and all of that jazz over there. It was so hot. Yeah. It was hot. It's been it's been a weird year for everybody, I think. Like already. Um, yeah. Did you have flooding? Uh, no, no. I'm in the north, so. Oh, we nice. didn't get we didn't get flooding. We just got scary heat, um, like twenty degrees hotter in the house than outside. Yeah, heat. So like, yeah, it was running like a hundred in here, um, which was bad. <laughs> that was, yeah. It was not ideal. Uh, but yeah, we've I think we've gone back to normal now as far as it's gray. It's been raining a couple days. <laughs> you know, yeah. pretty soon it'll be autumn. <laughs> Nice. You've got some questions. Go to go! You're feeling stressed, man. Go to go! Put on GPS and go to go! Under the dirt, some glint is glistening. Download and listen to Tia, Katie, Chris, and Kirsten. You should go to go! Cool. So, uh, yeah, let's get rolling. Um, so, welcome to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. Today, we've got Paulina Giestupa and... Megan Dennis, and they are working on a very interesting open context postdoc. Um, so before we kind of get into your project, uh, Paulina, could you start us off with a brief intro of um, kind of where you're at, what you're up to? Sure. Yeah. So um, my name is Paulina Przestupa. Um, I am a Filipino and Polish descent and grew up in the lower mainland Pacific Northwest region, which is Coast Salish territory. Um, I do want to acknowledge, though, that, of course, I'm a settler here in North America, and I'm recording this podcast uh, from the homelands of the Pueblo, Navajo, and Apache, and many other nations that call this area home. You might be more familiar with it as a Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, but as someone living in North America, it's always important to acknowledge the land um, and to do a little bit more than just acknowledge. Um, I encourage all of you to figure out whose land you're living on. And a really cool program that I found out about recently here in New Mexico is called the Honor Native Land Tax. Um, and you can go to their website and you can enter in a bunch of information about like your own economic situations and, and, and that sort of thing. And they'll literally tell you how much tax you owe your uh, indigenous nations um and it's a really great really great program um they also just they they take money and um and uh, redistribute it to um 
to uh, a variety of really cool programs um, here in the uh, here in the Southwest. Um, in general, I am finishing up my PhD at the University of New Mexico in anthropology, um, and I started part-time doing this postdoc with um, the Alexandria Archive Institute in Open Context um, as part of their data literacy program. And um, my specific focus is the data visualization and reproducibility postdoc. So I focus on um, writing scripts and um, technical tutorials. Very cool. Yeah. Megan, how about you? Um, well, uh, I am the postdoctoral researcher in data interpretation and public engagement. Um, so where Paulina handles a lot of the technical side of things, I handle a lot of the um, user side of things. So making it friendly, making it accessible. Um, when uh, ultimately anybody sees what we've been doing, um, Paulina and I are both responsible for the puns, but it's a lot of it is my fault. Um, so uh, I am, um, I'm an archeological ethicist. Uh, I'm from the uh, American Deep South, but I am currently in York in the North of England. Um, so I'd like to say, uh, though I currently do not live on land that rightfully belongs to indigenous peoples, I do live in a country that defined colonialism and that was and remains responsible for untold acts of murder, war, and pain. Um, and as I speak today on this postdoc and this project we're working on, it's important to acknowledge the role that colonial powers and the nascent field of archaeology played in creating systems of oppression and theft against indigenous peoples and peoples around the world. Uh, it's my hope that by bringing ethics into all of the archeologies that I do, that um, I can help in preventing the, the growing discipline of archeology span in digital places from replicating the ethical errors of the past. Um, I did my PhD at York uh, and I just never left. Um. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so, I'm, I'm curious if you could define for our listeners who might not be familiar um, the ethics of archaeology and kind of what what being an archaeological ethicist entails. How entails. long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> you want a six-hour podcast? I'll give you a six-hour podcast. You could make it a three-parter. <laughs> hey, um, so archaeological ethics are... Um, deontological, uh, which means that they are rules-based. So typically archeologists are taking their ethics, their ideas about what's appropriate and inappropriate behavior um, from rules that are prescriptive and tell you what you should not do as opposed to what you should do. And that's, that's a whole ethical system of choices that have been made that says a lot about archeologists and how we interact with the world and how we interact with each other. Um, but most of these guidelines that we use tend to come from the larger professional organizations. Um, that's where we, the, the sort of, and I hate the term trickle down because it's so Reagan, but like uh, the trickle down of, of ethical behavior comes from uh, people belonging to these professional organizations that require compliance and then that coming down to students and then that sort of going on and on and on from there. Um, it's been really interesting over the last few years watching uh, archaeological ethics change in terms of how they're positioned uh, in our discipline that they're 
much more forefronted now. I think with a lot of the the social justice movements that are going on, it's it's like a, a light went on for archaeologists and it was like, oh, there's a lot of things that we are doing wrong and we should fix them. Um, but for me, like my focus has has been on digital and and it's only really been within the last two or three years that there's been any mention of digital ethics uh, in archaeology at all. Um, we got it first through CAA uh, and then I know SAA has included some in their new guidelines that they're working on. Um, uh, I'm told that RPA is going to be doing a review pretty soon that will have more digital and more ethics reviews. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's happening. It's slowly, but it's happening. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned how um, the more recent social justice movements have shaped mm -hmm. the kind of the conversations that we have broadly in the discipline of archaeology, and how um, you know at least when I was an undergrad, you know, not being kind of an active participant in creating that discourse, but more mm -hmm. someone who consumes the you know, literature, I wasn't really exposed to um, the idea that um, we've done a lot of bad stuff in archaeology and the history of kind of anthropological thought until I was mm. already like in grad school. And, you know, that kind of created this like, uh, like crisis of belief or crisis of identity yeah. or whatever. And now it's it's just like very it's normal it's it's pretty mainstream to acknowledge the fact that anthropology um, has done uh, unspeakable harm, and it's been a tool for you know genocide, oppression, uh, colonization. Um, but you know you've got the the people who are creating that discourse and creating the the um, you know research and the material that comes out of that um, focusing on the ethical impact. So that's really cool to hear your perspective on, you know, being one of the people who's, who's shaping that. It's been really great working with Pauline on this project because we came into it and both of us were like, okay, we have some pretty serious values that we're going to bring to the work that we do. Um, and, and I, I, having been on other projects, you know, you, you go into a lot of them and you know that there's a, a values base, but it's not, it's not uh, explicit. And like we, we decided very early on that we're going to write down, these are the things that we believe in for the project. These are the things that we want to accomplish with it um, and make sure that, that at the end of the three years that we get with this project, that it's not just a product we're producing, but that we're producing better archaeological standards um, and yeah. better heritage standards. So, yeah. So I guess um, maybe from that, should we talk a little bit about our uh, our project? Actually, Megan? yeah, we should. Um, we haven't so, actually said so, what it is we yeah, do. No. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mentioned um, I'm the data visualization and um, reproducibility postdoc at the Alexandria Archive Institute, and that's under a brand new program that they just got funding from the National Endowment for the Humanities, um, which matched a grant from the Mellon Foundation um, to start this data literacy program. And um, that's, uh, I think about data literacy as two words that I definitely know what they mean separately. And then combining them, my brain just kind of blanks. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's like, cause it's really, it's really hard. Cause um, in, in, in this modern era, there are lots of things to be literate and it's not just reading and writing. Like um, 
I was just going over an old podcast of yours uh, of go, go dig a holes actually. And, um, uh, data literacy in that podcast talked about, uh, archeology span literacy just talked about note taking. Um, yeah. and we're, and we're so, there's so much more literacy that we need now. That's not just note taking. It starts with note taking, but it goes in a lot of different directions. And so sort of the definition for data literacy that we're working with, with our program, there are a few different definitions are, um, data literacy means equipping individuals to understand the underlying principles and challenges of data and create information from those data. Um, the two big differences is that data doesn't have meaning, information does. And so we want to equip people to be able to look at data and turn that into something meaningful. And so um, that's the kind of goal of the data literacy program. And we're using archaeology as the way that we do that. We're using archaeological data sets that are available um, free to download on Open Context, which is another program of the Alexandria Archive Institute. Um, and my specific role in that is making it so that um, you know where to click to, to get the data and leading you through the sorts of processes of that transformation. Um, and then Megan focuses on a slightly slightly different aspect of that. So. I'll let her. You sort of you sort of downplay what you do when you said that. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah. okay, so the last the last data story that we worked on, which is where the puns began, is it's it's based in a a data set about uh, RX bones and uh, Neolithic cattle bones, and so we got into a, a series of just making lots and lots of cow puns about everything. Um, ah. and, yeah, and yeah. so being formerly not from but of texas like i just i loved it and and paulina she ran with this insanity and contributed to it and then also managed to write an entire document teaching people how to use r um so combining those two two skills that ability to do something intensely technical to do r and to do spreadsheets and pivot tables and also make move along jokes in the middle of it do not downplay yourself okay Paulina. yes your uh, skills yeah. <laughs> yes my skill is to make everyone eye roll until they fall out of their chairs but still complete the data visualization task that i presented that is, to them. that is what <laughs> we have learned from our first alpha test <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Um, you you should have heard us in meetings. It was absolutely awful. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you really had to to rope us in and tie us down um, when it just got started. Um, anyways. Uh, <laughs> Do you mean lasso you? Yeah. 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 Um, I was so confused by the um, <laughs> subject heading on the email you sent me about. Calculating oh, data. I was like, I've got to know what on earth this is. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you'll you'll know soon enough. Um, but Megan did actually talk about the cool stuff that she does. Is that she takes these terrible tutorials and puns and turns them instead of just like um, one one off jokes into like the story. So that's the that's that's the part of it. We are we are at the heart of the storytellers, and Megan does a really excellent job of, of doing that. Thank you. Um, that is yeah. awesome. So, um, yeah. I'm, so I'm excited to just mention from the story side this thing that we did together at, for the narrative portion of of this data story, where we you know we in the first tutorial we um, talk about spreadsheets and how to use spreadsheets for data analysis. And then we talk about how to use R for it. And then we talk about what to 
uh, do with all this data that you've done to make it accessible to people. And I was, I was having a rough time. I was like, I've got some ideas, but it's just not clicking. And Paulina leaned into our shared interest and she's like, how about we write a tabletop role-playing game? <laughs> so the third portion of this is a, uh, a fifth edition little snippet about archeologists in a field uh, and gates and cow bones uh, and locating, locating data. Um, wow. Yeah. So do you succeed on your investigation check? We offer options for uh, for what happens depending on what you roll. So yeah. the, the the DM has some some uh, room to play with with you there on that. Um, we yeah. are we're leaning into the the nerd uh, <laughs> oh, for yeah. the next yeah, just, three years. This is it's amazing. This is that. the best job I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's it's so fun to just to be able to um, to see where that could go and like you know mm. there. There are lots of other archaeologists or former archaeologists doing like tabletop stuff as well. But it was just so fun to be like, let's do a data-driven one. So like they find a magical spreadsheet or they don't or <laughs> um, yeah. um, and it also kind of fits with um, uh, in some ways, if you roll really poorly, it's like having a hard time with the tutorial. And so it's also kind of yeah. like because um, one of the things that we were really interested in with this tutorial and story is that um, there are lots of people who are in archaeology who came to archaeology because they love it, but they absolutely hate math. They don't like numbers. They don't like those things. And so, yep, yeah, that's, um, that's I think me. I There's at I least think two people in the podcast pointing at yeah, themselves. So right I, think my, uh, I think I might be maybe the only archaeologist who was like, I like math. This is why I should be in this field. Um, but um, we wanted to make it accessible because there are moments where you're just like, I don't know where to click from here. And we wanted to be able to work with people who are at that level because sometimes, and that happens to the best of us, where I'm like, I don't remember how to save a thing because I haven't opened this program recently. And so we, we, we wrote that tutorial for, for those folks, for those moments of, I, I've never done this before. And um, that's been really fun is to think about those, um, so many little things that we forget are, are necessary skills that need to be taught. And that's one of the things I really, really love about this project. That's awesome. And to have the two of you working together to connect, um, you know, the, the ethics, the user experience, and also have the data visualization and the programming, you know, like that, what a great combo to have the two of you working together. I mean, like talk about being each other's strengths. That's awesome. Yeah. Stacked party. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Highly optimized. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. It's just been real fun. Um, I think also, so Megan talked about this a little bit earlier, but the um, one of the things that we definitely both come through, although come, come from a position of, um, is that, yeah, I'm doing the technical stuff, but really thinking about how the technical also reflects certain kinds of systems. Um, so when we were thinking about, so we have this calculating things um, uh, that's going to be uh, open for publicly available beta testing uh, soon, um, and depending on how quickly this comes out, um, uh, that um, 
so, so we were really focused on that and we really wanted to have that story, but then we're thinking about how the data we select says something about the values of our project. And so um, we're finishing up Cattle Bones and then thinking about what other stories we wanted to tell, we thought really hard about what that meant. Um, are we teaching what are we talking about tech, uh, technical skills? Are we talking about how to analyze particular resources? But then we're also thinking about the people who generate those data. Um, and, and that as another aspect of diversity that we don't always bring into our intro classes. Um, it's something that I, I have chosen very specifically to bring in because I'm like, why can't we have an article by, um, why can't every article that they read in their intro class be by a person of color? There's yeah. no reason why they can't be, and I found articles for that. Um, and so one of the things that we've been thinking about when we highlight the data we pick from is making sure that it covers all places around the world, but also is generated by a variety, um, by, people, uh, by people of a variety of backgrounds. And you really want to highlight um, like community sourced um, and like uh, stakeholder-driven data sets. Um, and so those are some of the things that we're, we're working towards. And that was something that like um, Megan and I sometimes have these little debrief meetings and it's really nice to just be like, so this was off or on. And Megan's just like, yeah, I felt that too. And and with the diversity stuff um, and bringing in lots of voices, Megan's always been like, yeah, I got this. We, we've got this together to, to, to uplift those voices as much as we can with this program. Very cool. Yeah. I sometimes um, feel my age when we're doing things because I, I mean, my undergrad was 20 years ago now, you know, um, and I, I took a long break in the middle, but when I did undergrad, there was, there was no discussion. Like there was yeah. no talk about it. Like um, we didn't, no one cared what literature you were using and who it was by. Um, I think we we talked some about problems related to diversity and in, indigeneity, but only in the context of the country that we did our field work in. Um, so it was Belize. So that was a whole that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know you know. Yeah. Um, but but now coming coming to it at this at this point, it's I'm amazed at how far we've come in terms of discourse in 20 years that like that this is the normal now and that yeah it, you're you're more likely to get called out now if you don't think about this stuff that just that just wasn't the case and it just I don't know it blows my mind it makes me really happy which as an ethicist is not a thing I am a lot because I'm mostly spending <laughs> my research time going, oh, everybody's horrible. Right. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> These things are wrong. Yeah. This is bad. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree. Like it, just hearing about the project that you all are working on, I, I was just thinking like to myself, I was like, it is so nice to hear something that's like uplifting, tracking the discipline in the proper direction. Like, um, so I'm excited for you all. Yeah, we're really lucky to work with um, Sarah and and Eric Kansa as as the heads of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> like they are so, this whole time they've been so just open to everything that we bring to it, um, and uh, and that's been really that's been great to see. Like that we we come to them, we're like we did this thing, <laughs> and they're like that's great, that's amazing. Thanks, guys. Um, 
I, I think in a lot of ways we are having a very ideal postdoc experience. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's really, it's one of those relieving things sometimes too, to just like have, um, I don't know, just everyone has their, has our backs, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it really feels like, uh, like even if we, if, if there, if there comes a time where we mess up down the road, we'll kind of mess up together and be able to, 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 uh, to come away from that, having learned something, um, but also, yeah, as a herd, we will be herd <laughs> together. Um, uh, um, <laughs> don't, don't steer me in the wrong direction or I'm just going to wander off. Um, <laughs> Uh, right, I'll close the gate on that part yeah, of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine. It's, you got to put up, got to put up the guards. Um, but um, we also just like we, it's it's been a really fruitful discussion, and, and in um, some ways, a very uh, a really great one in that we give an idea and we all are able to jump off of it. Um, like we present a thing and they're like, yes, keep going. Um, and not that I don't trust them to to rein us in when they need to, but um, we we they're so interested in our ideas and we're able to explore them in such a really great way that I don't know that, um, I've, I've, I've not that I haven't experienced, but, um, getting to experience this in, in, in an academic setting. Cause even though this is a, a private postdoc, not affiliated with a university, um, it's still a, a formal academic po uh, postdoc mm -hmm. and, um, uh, getting to have that, that creativity reinstilled into the academic pursuit is really cool. It's also, it makes me think a lot about the future and when, when sadly one day we will have to move on from AI and open context, which is not something I want to do anytime soon. Um, like we, we have a lot of good things that we can take forward into what we do next. And I, I spend a lot of time because I taught for so long in between my archaeology stints, um, thinking about what we do for students and how we teach students and of, of different ages and um, having a good experience in an academic discipline is something that you, it takes you forward in giving someone else a good experience. Um, and that's, you know, we all need those little bits of hope. Yeah, exactly. I've encountered, you know, personally, I've encountered some um, pretty negative aspects of the field. And I know that you know, a lot of yeah. other archaeologists have. Um, and one of my attitudes about that is, um, like, if if you encounter and experience those things, it's very important to make sure that um, that whatever that negative experience is, you don't replicate that and pass that on to whoever you're teaching, whoever you're training exactly. up. <clears throat> you know, you've got to break that cycle. And, and uh, I think that's yeah. great that that's just baked into your program is – you know, it's an uplifting experience for you, but you're passing that um, on to anybody engaging with this project. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the the product that you're that that's going to come out of uh, calculating your your data. Um, Paulina, you wanna you wanna lead us on this? Um, sure. Um, so uh, in. Uh, soon, uh, we're going to open up uh, beta testing for our first data story. Um, uh, as as we'll be calculating some 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 statistics. Actually, we won't be, but um, that's uh, 
that's a detail. Um, but essentially, uh, there are um, we're testing it to see how effective this uh, data story is at teaching new skills to archaeology folks. Um, and at this stage, we're really interested in getting people just using the tutorial because um, as we were kind of developing what we wanted this project to be, um, there's a lot out there for uh, to learn how to use R, to learn how to use um, Excel, um, to even do uh, stuff like this that's archaeology specific, but it's not it's not well concentrated, and it doesn't look like there are very many frameworks for evaluating how many people are using these things, um, and if they're actually effective at teaching what they aim to. Um, so with this beta test, um, we're we're really looking for that: is it teaching the skills that we want it to to be teaching, and we want people to to actually use this. So for the first set of um, the this kind of skills building tutorial, uh, we lead you through how to do um, data visualization and uh, filtering and that sort of thing um, in whatever spreadsheet program you want to use. Um, we do not advocate for any particular kind of spreadsheet program um, because they're not paying us to, and right. I'm not going to mention any of them. Um, so whatever spreadsheet program you feel more com most comfortable with. There's a lot of really great open source ones that you yeah. can use. Yep, we there list are. them in the, yeah, in in the, the tutorial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we so we lead you sort of step by step how to download the stuff, how to open it in your your preferred spreadsheet program, how to filter, how to select the data, how to make a pivot table, and how to use that to uh, create a data visualization. Um, and then we go, awesome, you've done that. Now try it in R. Um, and R is an open source uh, statistical programming language. If you've done any scripting or, or that sort of thing, you might be familiar with it. Um, it's sort of the free open source version of, of MATLAB or, or SATA. Is it SATA? No, SPSS. Um, and, SATA uh, is a type of chord, I believe. Yeah, it is a type of chord. <laughs> it's also a, a D and D character in a thing that I just recorded. Um, that's a, <laughs> uh, that's a, it's a, it's a big joke. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have you run basically through the exact same skills, but show, um, but demonstrate how easy it is to do in R and, and show some of the benefits of being able to do that in a scripting language. Um, and then it transitions into Megan's lovely portion of the tutorial. Where we talk about now that you've, um, now that you've got all this data, how do you interrogate it? How do you interrogate it for the different types of bias that you might bring to it or the different mm -hmm. types of bias that might be inherent in the way that it was collected? Um, and what do we do once we have that bias? Um, and how do we, what do we do to eliminate it? And then ultimately, how do we write narratives um, with that all in mind? Um, and the, the whole thing together is really intended to be a set, of, a set of three tutorials that can be done independently. You can do each one or you can do, uh, do them as a string um, or you can take the, the basic outline of what we're giving you as, as an example of what to do in each of them and apply it to a completely different data set um, available through open context. Ding. Uh, and, uh, and see how you do with that. Um, so it's it's teaching skills that you can use in your own data, but providing you with a curated, cleaned data set so that you start with something um, that is there and solid uh, and that, that you know has ancillary materials with it. Um, 
And oh. one of the things, oh, sorry. I was just going to mention um, the data set that we're using, uh, we refer to it as, as cattle bones, um, is a yeah. curated uh, list of, as, as Megan said, um, oryx and, and cattle bones from Switzerland um, that was put together by Lizzie Wright, mm -hmm. um, who I don't remember what institution uh, she's affiliated with, but um, that, that data set is, is from, from her and her team. So Interesting. Very, yeah, very thankful to, to have that data from her. And did you mention earlier it's from a Neolithic site? Yes. It's mm. from a lot of Neolithic sites. Yes. So oh, okay. the particular um, data set, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to show myself here that I am not up on my Zoark. Um, so it's, oh no, I'm going to sound so dumb. It's different. <laughs> we can edit it's this. When your brain just goes, hey, you know this thing. <laughs> it's, uh, and you're so like, it's, um, yeah, I know this. And then, nope, you don't. It's yeah. Neolithic and Bronze Age cattle data from Switzerland. I'm just going to pull up the project. Yeah. Uh, the project <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, curated by the I'm forgetting Wright. the word. Oh, no. I'm just going to stop talking for a minute. Okay. Uh, Is it the the bone? In particular, I mean, I'm not as I'm not as I've taken like Zoart courses and I've participated in uh, lab projects, uh, but I could never claim to be a Zoark. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You, I feel like somewhere out there in the world, like Alex Fitzpatrick and a couple other people I know oh, are yeah. all going, "Stop talking, Dennis! Right. Just, I just stop I just, speaking!" They're, <laughs> they're screaming at whatever they're listening to the podcast. In. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm I, to I apologize. Yeah, Colpa, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I don't really. I'm, I'm confused. What are you thinking of, Megan? I just, just don't know. It's, we have to know. Yeah. Um, because it's it's all of the bones, um, yeah. Uh, like as we were, so what was also cool about um, as Megan's looking this up about uh, doing this tutorial was figuring out actually in this first one what we wanted to teach, actually. So um, for folks that have done uh, data pro like. Uh, for, for archaeologists, particularly Zoark uh, folks, it's going to be this really basic thing where people are, are, are um, might might feel that it's not not quite what they need yet. But our whole goal with this project was to start from nothing. People who don't know how to how to use um, spreadsheets at all or are not familiar with R at all. Um, and so when I was initially playing with the data, it was really fun to just like go in and play. Basically, have this really uh, well curated data set. Um, uh, for me, open it up in R and just like, okay, let's see what's what what are the headings available? How can I plot this, that, or the next thing and and see what was there before we started actually developing what we wanted to teach from this particular data set. Did you remember, Megan? Yes. So it's a biometrical database ah. dealing with morphological variation. Um, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. You know, as you do. Yeah. On a Friday. <laughs> yeah. Which means that we are measuring, measuring bones. Measuring with, and bones different... and the different aspects of bones and parts of bones. Yeah. So um, what's really cool too about this data set is that you can do more with it. Um, oh, yeah. We just kind of open, open, open the fence, as it were, um, to the, the possibilities of, of what can be done with this data set. Are we bad archaeologists if we left the fence open? De depends. Somebody was supposed to be on the back of the truck closing That's the fence. That's probably fair. Depends <laughs> on if we're leaving or going in. Um, it depends on how much data checked? you want to go wrangle. Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying. Yeah. Real bad uh, at this. Yeah. That's no bull. 
No, it's not. <laughs> that was cowardly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's there's a lot in that data set. It's really cool. Um, uh, and we just kind of like uh, uh, touch the surface of what can be done with it. We do hope to use this for a more detailed, more um, uh, statistical uh tutorial in the future, but we really, one of the things that we were also very passionate about is we don't want to make a thing that people don't use. And we don't want to make a thing that isn't actually serving the communities we're hoping to serve. Um, so with this beta test and having folks um, uh, of a variety of backgrounds, it's basically going to go out on social media and anyone can take it and contribute to the evaluation is we really want to know what, what, um, what educators, what archaeology students, what do what does our community really need as far as uh, data literacy skills and where do they look for to actually get those skills if they are in school or if they're not in school or if they're looking for things to teach um, or teach with um, what um, how do we really make a thing that's usable because I think you know we've all come across stuff where we're like oh this is really cool and no one's using it or we create a thing that no one uses and um, that was really something that Megan and I didn't want to do we didn't want to spend the um, really cool time that we have with this program to make a, a thing that we made and we were excited about, but you know, our friends and family used and then stopped using once we no longer uh, were working on the project. Yeah, it's good Which that you designed it. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, it's why we're really fortunate. Um, so Lee Lieberman is um, our sustainability officer and we've been working with her um, like creating partnerships with a, a bunch of different universities and programs so that we can try to get this out into classrooms in the fall and spring. Um, and we have a couple partnerships that we're in sort of the, the finalizing stages of um, so that we can, we can see if this is use, really useful to one of the, the key target markets for it, which is that, that um, undergrad starting out archeology span I just thought I was going to dig things and now they're asking me to do math sort of situation. Um, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, but so that's, that's been, that's been really great. And the other thing we've done with it is um, we have thought as, as Paulina said, we've thought about educators and what do you, what do you need when you're presenting an exercise to a classroom? And I taught social studies in Texas for, a long years, long number of years. And um, I think we all know how the Texas social studies curriculum is really spectacular and fabulous. Uh, and they're doing a great job there. Um, so it meant that I brought in a lot of my own materials and a lot of uh, external stuff to try to teach with. And one of the biggest problems is that people would make stuff and they wouldn't, they wouldn't give any guide to the, to the teacher. Like there would be nothing that would tell the educator, like, this is how you should do this. These are the problems you're going to run into. Um, so we're creating um, fly sheets and, and extra materials that would go to anyone who wants to use this in a classroom so that they have uh, sets of readings that are associated with it for scaffolding and so that they have um, exercises that they can do for, you know, you get those students in the class who just blow through stuff really fast. 
let's find something they need to be doing something. Um, yeah. What about the students who need to work in groups? This is a way you can do these exercises in groups. Um, and it's, if you've had a, a good, uh, a good secondary school teaching experience in like a humanities, that's because there was a teacher who was super overplanned. Um, and I, I would like to make sure that we give that back <laughs> to the educators of today uh, for all the times I disrupted your class in the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, you know, thinking about my own struggles as a student, as a learner, um, when I was younger, a, a lot of my struggles came from instances where information was presented to me without much of a plan to convert that into knowledge. Um, yeah. And so that made me, when you mentioned that earlier on in the, our conversation, that really st struck me about how, um, you know, one of the main priorities of this project is to make sure that there's <clears throat> a framework to convert the information of all of these cattle bones into knowledge about what this data means. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the things that you've kind of highlighted in terms of like the, the methods or, or just kind of your general approach to uh, forming knowledge out of data? <laughs> Megan and I would be looking across the table at each other right now. Um, uh... <laughs> oh no. It can be super, super general. Yeah, I guess. So one of the things that I've always, one of the things that struck me as I was also um, learning, learning to be what I am as an archaeologist is to go back to what your question is. Um, and, and thinking about that as, as kind of uh, my, my driver for, for data or information gathering and, and turning that into knowledge. Um, because I think that um, without a question, it's kind of like, why? Like, why are we doing this if we don't have a thing that we're trying to answer or, or a problem we're trying to solve or a community that we're trying to serve? Mm. Um, and I think that like, um, that that's kind of a thing I do, and I'm really interested actually in starting with uh, like basic questions, basic knowledge generating, because um, sometimes it seems really it seems basic, but it it cuts into a lot of assumptions that we might make, um, or bigger questions that we might ask need to rely on this assumption. Um, so um, I didn't mention this in my intro, but my dissertation research looks at uh, children's institutions in the United States. Um, specifically, I'm comparing the landscape layout and location of uh, orphanages that were built for white children to uh, the layout landscape and location of Native American boarding schools. Mm -hmm. um, and I have very basic questions that I'm trying to answer in that dissertation, and that's like, were they similar? Were they different? Was there change in time? And it's... It, feels weird sometimes to have that be the basic question, but we need to know that before we can ask more. We can't make assumptions about, um, about that they were necessarily different if we don't have the underlying uh, data or information to support that, that answering. So I, I've kind of found myself, uh, when I'm teaching these things, to think about the, what's the smallest question that I can ask first and make sure that that's something that I can build from 
strongly rather than ask a big question that requires me to make a lot of assumptions in my knowledge generating. Yeah, exactly. Um, Megan? Um, one of the big things that I wanted to get across um, in, in what we're doing is the idea that obviously because I'm, my thing is narrative, um, the idea that all the questions you ask in the end, you need to be able to give that information to someone else. Um, that it, that everything that we do is not in service to us. It's in service to a larger set of interlocking publics, most of whom we'll never meet. And um, being able to ask the right questions and then get um, use data to, to answer those questions, that takes you two thirds of the way. But if you don't go that final third to turning this into something that, um, that has value for other people, um, it doesn't matter what skills you have. It doesn't matter what research you did. Um, it's a dead. It's a dead project at that point. It's a dead excavation, um, and and so for me, a lot of a lot of this has been thinking about ways, not just in that narrative section, but in in the other bits that I touch um, to sort of put that like, hey, you should think about other people hey, you should think about how this would be useful to someone else. Hey, you should think about how someone else might feel about what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I've, I'm very much a proponent of, um, of a, a pedagogy of sharing and kindness. Um, and I, I, th I think this whole project is about that. And I think that bettering your skills um, is a is a way of doing that um and then taking it that final step and using those skills to make something for other people is just that's where that's where it all needs to be um or maybe i'm just really jaded from doing way too many pipeline projects no, <laughs> it only takes one um, yeah, right it does <laughs> um actually that reminds me of it so this is a really it was a, a an odd small thing that we have in our tutorial. And um, uh, it's a voice thing that we have throughout all of it. And it's um, having the tutorial talk about we rather than you. Because mm. we were thinking about, uh, we were thinking about that. Are we gonna use like, what, what person are we gonna use when we're doing this tutorial? And I, 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 I had typed it up, I think, first as a, a mixed bag, because I'm sometimes really bad at that, as both you and we, and just going back through and thinking about this idea of doing the tutorial when you use we as not alone, um, as, as I am doing this tutorial with someone. You might be doing it by yourself in your home or whatever, um, but having that difference between the tutorial telling you what to do and the tutorial being someone you're working with was a, a small thing that we put into it, but I thought was... Uh, really significant because I think that that is a subtle thing that changes the tone, um, the tone and the narrative overall. So, because um, we're not alone. Everyone makes some mistakes when it comes to, to spreadsheets and R. So uh, making so it not many, about- So many, so many, so many, <laughs> so many mistakes. Um, 
but um, but that was this part of I think that that idea of, of kindness and compassion when we're teaching is that thinking about this as a thing that we do together that we're um, we are um, they're individuals learning these skills but we're also thinking about data literacy as a thing that we need to um, advocate for as the community as a community of archaeologists interested in having people be data literate um, together. Yeah, that inclusive voice is something that's so simple, but so important. And I, I hadn't really considered that. Um, it makes me think of one of my coworkers who always corrects me when I, when I say you referring to the field team. Mm -hmm. uh, and she always says, no, we, the, the back end office team is part of this process. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yes, correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they're, that's, that's the, the, the fun part about language is that those little changes that we make can make such a big difference for how people feel included or not included. Um, and also when we talk about like our values for this project, mm. it, it does matter, um, you know, being called you throughout an entire uh, tutorial might really set people off or it might yeah. make, make people feel a lot more alienated from it rather than thinking about it as something that we do together. Um, so. Yeah. yeah like I a like project to be. Sorry, go ahead. Community of since I like that it emphasizes the community of practice. That like, how how rarely is it that you are the you should never be in the field, but how rarely is it that you are the only archaeologist involved? Like, yeah, um, you're always working with someone else. You're never you should never be doing this by yourself. OSHA violation. Um, <laughs> 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 I, feel, I feel like that's a different podcast, Megan. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It's it's nighttime where I am at the end of my week, and so I'm. <laughs> You're out Paulina of knows what this. Paulina knows what this looks like. This is the point where it's like, ooh, wow, she's gonna. Yeah, Megan needs to talk take about a nap. Things. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It's fine. That's um, me at the end of every Friday too. Is uh, I. I'm always jealous of friends who are like, yeah, it's party time. Let's go out, get a drink or something. And I'm like, I want to decompress. I want to be alone. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I need some space. Yeah. I'm, I'm grumpy. I just need, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to hug my dog and I'm going <laughs> to be quiet for a little while and it's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I have a slightly different response because, um, still working from home entirely on my disc and on this postdoc. And so I'm just like, I really wish I would felt comfortable going down to my local craft brewery and just sitting around <laughs> humans for a while. Yeah. But nope. <laughs> nope. I did it for the first time in over a year. Um, and it was weird. It was definitely weird. It was all archaeology and heritage folks. Um, and, and we were all very good and careful, but it's still it still felt weird. Yeah. Um, I did it a I don't few know when weeks that ago. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> a few weeks ago, it was fine. This week feels less okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yep. um, but, hello, uh, darkness. <laughs> that COVID anxiety has been coming back it's, for me. It's I'm real. Like, wow, great. Things are not turning in the right direction. Line go up. Line go up <laughs> is bad. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, not a, not a fan, um, yeah. but yeah, um, I don't know. I guess uh, we are hoping to have all of the materials available online for folks on August 10th. 
Okay. Um, we'll have a couple of different rounds of, of uh, social media sharing. So um, we'll be sharing that from the Open Context Twitter account. Um, and Megan and I will probably be reposting those on our, our private Twitters. I'm probably, at, yeah. Yeah, I'm at Panuckish on, on Twitter. Um, and I'll let Megan say hers if she feels like. Um, Not sure, I'm at Gingery Gamer. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and yeah, we'll be uh, posting about that um, and have a, a blog post about it as well. Um, it'll be open for a couple of weeks and it's open for anyone. So if you're an archaeologist or a non-archaeologist, um, we've got some pre-survey questions that we'd like you to take before you do the tutorial and then some survey questions we'd like you to take afterwards so we can assess um, how, how well we're doing or how not well we're doing. That's all possible or how neutral we're doing. Um, good, bad, indifferent. That's all fine. Um, and yeah. We Do you just... want to share your your dad's story? Because I'm going to share my dad's oh, story about um, first round of testing. Yeah. So we had, al we had alpha <laughs> testing. I'm going to talk with my dad a little bit more about the, the problems he was having later on. Um, but yeah. So but yeah, um, there the, you might come across an instance where your antivirus does not like our PDFs. We apologize for that. Um, my dad ran up against that problem when he was trying to do it and um, sent me like screenshots and things. Um, but it was, it's, it's, it's a thing that happens and we want to hear about that too, because we want to see how much you were, you were able to do or not. Um, but it was really actually kind of funny now that I think about it, the idea that like I wrote something that was going to be malware on my dad's own computer. It is not <laughs> malware. It's just, it's statistics. It's statistics. I promise. Um, right. <laughs> um, but that's also kind of amusing. It's like, why wouldn't I just do that if I was there? Um, but yeah, so um, that's so our alpha testers were really great, but they they possibly like us too much and weren't yeah. quite as honest as we would like. Um, but yeah, Megan, your dad's story. My my dad called me while he was starting the tutorial. There's there's a video that we ask you to play, and then we ask you to to start doing things and. He called me and he's like, you sounded real good in that video, but I don't know what to do now. I'm like, you're not supposed to call me to ask about this. You're supposed to write it down and put it in the survey. <laughs> he's like, well, I thought it'd be easier just to call you. I'm like, well, what, what's your problem? And he's like, well, I'm not, I don't know what to do. I'm like, did you read the instructions? Well, I looked at him. Would you read them again for me? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah. I just, I just thought, I don't know. I know how to reach you. I'm like, mm. yeah. so, uh, beta testers, we have email addresses on there. Please don't call us yeah. with your problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We love y'all very much, but mm -mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Awesome. Well, all of this will be in the show notes on whatever podcast player you're listening on. Um, so I'll have, uh, your Twitter tags, uh, links to the Alexandria archive Institute. Um, and I'll update the show notes when the, um, when the beta test launches and I'll also be boosting, um, on social media too. Thank you. We awesome. really appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, thank you for, thank you for having, for having us, Chris us. and the whole go dig a hole team. Yeah. So yeah. It's um, been good. Yeah, that's been fun. Yeah, this was super <laughs> yeah. fun. It's yeah. nice to talk about something uh, fun and uplifting <laughs> and, you know, uh, kind of chew our cut a little bit. And um, I guess eventually 
I'm I'm gonna work on this this afternoon, but we'll put this podcast out to pasture probably this weekend. Wonderful! Had, I'm had so to. glad to. Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. No, you. Yeah. One must. Um, oh, I think we were, we we're almost done. And then we just we remember that we could do cheese jokes as well. And then just like, it's like, oh, why is this only 1% of what we're doing? It could have been the whole thing. Um, we milked it more. It's fine. Um, uh, yeah. Um, though, actually, I guess as a more serious point, um, we, we might cut back on that. So, um, for those of you who might take listen to this, take the beta test and be annoyed by the number of puns, we might actually be scaling that back um, because we were thinking out about- Out of the instructions. Uh, out of the instructions, um, just because um, puns can be very hard on English language learners. And it's mindful yeah. to, to be aware of that, that um, uh, puns and wordplay are like the last thing you get in the language. And so yeah. um, um, it's important to that we want you to learn the skills more than understand how many different ways we can make fun of cows. Um, mm -hmm. So you should just know we can, we can do a lot. We can, we can, yeah, we can, make, we can do yeah. a lot. Um, but yeah. we want to make sure that that's accessible in all the ways. So, um, future stuff, we might, uh, roll it back a little bit. Um, but, um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll be an exciting thing. Um, cause we were also having a hard time. So our next data story is turning, um, like notes sheets into tables and then turning those tables into information and narrative. Mm. And we were trying to think of a good, pun for that and it just like wasn't working we couldn't find a good like uh, good string through that particular data story so um if you don't like this one there'll be another one that has four puns. <laughs> i started making a list of because it's uh because it's a the next one is a, a roman site um, oh okay. i started making a lot of roman puns and okay. caesar jokes okay uh, yeah, um, uh, I I thought about like passing notes or something in high school stuff, and I'm like yeah. that's not quite going where I want it to. But um, yeah, but yeah. So um, yeah. Anyways, thank you for having us. Um, yes, thank and, you. Um, Sorry, we'll if, just keep going. Yeah, we, yeah, we just yes, we, we talk to each other. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is our water, water cooler time. So um, yes. yeah, uh, but yeah, if you um, yeah, if if you want us to do this again, we can. Um, I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, no problem. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll get this out this weekend. And um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, be a part of the beta test. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, stay healthy and safe, everybody, and have a great weekend. Yes, you too. All righty. Okay. See you. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. This has been your host, Chris Sims. Uh, if you enjoyed this new episode and you'd like to uh, give us a little scratch in the tip jar to keep things going, um, it helps us pay for all the uh, online storage and the streaming services that we use um, and also just get more content out. Um, our Patreon is active. It's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash go dig a hole. I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters, uh, Guthrie Straw, Martin Sherman, Eric Reed, Rye Christ, Paul Zimmerman, Kelly Eldridge, Joseph Marhi, Megan McGinnis, Julia Jablinski, Jonathan Sims, Kevin Ricks, and Brent Murphy. Uh, for all of your continued support. It really means a lot. And um, we have some more episodes in the pipeline. It's just been a very busy summer for all of us at Go Dig a Hole as archaeologists. Um, 
the summer tends to be busy. So it's uh, been tricky to get all of our schedules to align, but we do have several episodes in the works. Um, so we'll be working to get those out to you pretty soon. So yeah, stay tuned to Go Dig a Hole and um, check out uh, Kirsten's other podcast that she's a part of, uh, the Women in Archaeology podcast. They recently celebrated five years, so congratulations to them. Um, and they've been putting out some really great new episodes, um, and they're working on uh, transcribing the episodes too. So that's available for um, uh, another uh, mode of content. Uh, so yeah, check out the Women in Archaeology podcast. So yeah, check the show notes on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. There are links to the websites mentioned by our guests today and uh, links to social media accounts so that you can uh, see what they're up to.